And now, an Envision Financial podcast with Luke Smith on Canberra's 2CC. It's Friday afternoon, which means it's time to get together with Luke Smith from Envision Financial with our regular, in fact, our weekly mm. uh, get-together. Good mate. How are you? Good afternoon. How are we? Good to catch up with you again. Yeah, good to have you back. It's, well, I'd like to share that sentiment. <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> I'll be diplomatic. <laughs> We've got a lot to talk about in the next half hour or so, but... Mm. I guess we're looking at how to generate more income within your portfolio, which is yep. a pretty broad broad sort of a thing. That's right. And it's a bit of an extension of last week. So last week okay. we touched on you know, why it's important. And today we're sort of going to touch on where it can come from and some things people can consider to be able to maximise what they have inside their portfolio. And that's really the crux of it is different assets have different functions in a portfolio. So today we're gonna to touch on some different sectors and what people could expect in relation to income. Okay, where do we start? Well, I think the important thing right off the bat is uh, asset allocation. I think if you've got an appropriate mix for your risk profile, that's a really good foundation for being able to maintain a suitable mix of growth assets and defensive assets. Mm -hmm. And regardless of your age and regardless of your objectives, you need to tailor something that is for yourself and I think that's the first point of call that people need to sort of get right out of the out of the gates in saying that everybody's perception of good and bad is different. And I think everybody's perception of what they require is different. And I think that's really important to look at the income that you need. Because quite often people come in and say, well, you know, can I retire? Mm. And I ask them, well, what sort of income do you need to live? And they shrug their shoulders and they don't really know because they – They've just lived on wages and, and made it work. And I think it's really important that people understand the income that you need first and then how you feel about risk. So in other words, it's it's quite feasible that you can actually live better than you were, live better than you mm. were when you were working yeah. in retirement. Exactly. And I mm. think that that's right because you have a number of ongoing costs when you're gainfully employed that you don't have when you retire. And, and we had a little glimpse, in, glimpse into that during COVID. Mm. People weren't parking, mm. they weren't dry cleaning their clothes, they weren't running their cars, so they had a lot of excess cash because they were working from home. Um, and, and that's really what happens in retirement. So when you look at a portfolio, it's important to say, what's my mix of assets? And that will then drive the amount of income that you can expect to generate. The more defensive you are, the less income you can expect. Generally, the more aggressive you are, you will have a higher allocation to Australian shares, property and international, which could have the ability to bolster the income that you receive over the course of a full financial year. So when you're looking at shares, you're looking at what, they, what they're going to yield. Yep. How do you make that choice? Well, I, I think that's, that's, that's we, we, great. You know, minimise risk at the same time. Yeah, correct. Yeah. I say, so we start with asset allocation. We decide how much risk we're going to take on. Then we look and try and say, okay, how much of my growth portion of the portfolio, that would include property infrastructure international, um, is going to be invested in Australia and overseas. So Australian shares can provide an income stream of between 1% and potentially 5 or 6%, depending on what you buy. Now, not all shares are the same. Some companies like, uh, take a CSL, okay? Massive company, wonderfully strong earnings, um, but provides a very low level of income. Compare that to something like a CBA that provides, you know, 5 to 6% income plus franking credits that is more income orientated while still providing an element of growth over time. So. You need to look at how much of your Australian portfolio is going to be invested in listed shares or ETFs, then have a look at what sort of income is going to come out of that sector. 
you might then move on to say, well, I'm going to hold some property in my portfolio. Mm. Now, when we say property, we're talking about property trusts where you could have an exposure to commercial property, industrial property, office space. Um, so there are a number of sectors within that, that property portfolio that you can consider. There's also direct commercial property. So your, your A rate or your property trust scenario will pay between say five and 7% income. A building that you may hold from a commercial standpoint might pay six to 8%. So it's always important to understand one, why am I holding it? What's my total allocation within my portfolio? And then what sort of income is it going to generate to be able to help underpin pensions and lifestyle in retirement? Well, you mentioned or you touched there on infrastructure, Mm. infrastructure assets. Can you explain how that works? Yeah, so infrastructure assets are generally very high barrier to entry. So if we think about a property asset like owning this station, this is a commercial building. Mm-hmm. You could own this building and generate a, 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 a rental income that can provide a yield of generally sort of six, seven, eight percent. An infrastructure asset is a high barrier to entry asset and something like a toll road or a port station uh, or an, uh, an airport, um, power grid, something that is generally very boring, very expensive to create, hence the high barrier to entry sort of um label because it's not every day you say oh let's just go and build a new freeway over there with all this spare money we have lying around so in their infancy they're generally very high cost to set up but once they're established and mature uh take something like a transurban okay they own toll roads Mm. people will drive through people drive out people drive in people drive out click 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 now in a mature asset like that great way to generate income and that would be in what i would call you know the, the boring bucket because roads are pretty, pretty I resilient. Don't I don't know, Luke. I just drove from Canberra <laughs> to Brisbane a couple of weeks ago up the Pacific Highway, yeah. and the bills are now coming in for the tolls. Well, that's it. I think I'll buy shares in well, Linked. Linked that's, be a good and one. And that's, the, that's a great example because yeah. you look at the underlying investment and say, what does it do? They own roads. Mm. Okay, so from a risk perspective, nothing's without risk, but that could be far less risky than a diamond mine mm. in Uganda. Yeah. You know, and I, yeah. I think that's what people need to keep in mind is what am I buying? Why am I buying it? And then what is the income that it generates? Because you can't assume that all income is the same. And as I said last week, anything that is sexy is either expensive or dangerous. And I think that's the mm-hmm. case when we're chasing income. If it looks too good to be true, it, it may be. Yeah. So you need to look back and say, well, from a consistency perspective, did this particular company have an, a, a great single year? Or is that just a byproduct of maybe something that had to do with COVID? Mm-hmm. You need to go back and say, well, is their income consistent? Because it's that reoccurring income that you want in your portfolio to be able to fund lifestyle and generate a yield that is going to meet a large portion of your living costs. So can you look at fixed interest rates? Yeah, look, that's another that's another sector. So we sort of work through there. We go Aussie equity, we go property, we go international, international doesn't pay much in the way of income, it's more of a growth play. And then you move on to the defensive assets, which is fixed interest and cash. Mm-hmm. So fixed interest assets will pay an income stream at the moment of between sort of two and 6%, depending on what the underlying investments are. Now, one big misnamer here is, I guess, the term fixed. I say fixed, you say fixed. Mm-hmm. I find people here term deposit. There's an, there's an assumption that it's capital protected. And in a lot of instances, it isn't. So like with any asset, it's always revalued 
to show or illustrate what the market is offering at the moment. And we see that with residential property. If somebody rents a house in a street and the rent goes up, that then sort of becomes your benchmark for the street and people want to try and move their existing rental arrangements up to that point when their lease ends. And fixed interest is very similar. We've seen cash rise very quickly and we've seen the income from that sector continue to improve. And I think that's an area where people will get a lot of comfort over the next 12 to 24 months because the cash rate has moved up significantly since February and that is going to benefit the people on the side of the fence that are retired with cash in the bank or cash in their portfolio because you got 0.1.2 12 months ago, now you're getting you know 2.3 in cash and over 3% for six month term deposits. So cash is getting stronger. Exactly, mm. yeah. And I think it's, it's, it's really punished people for probably a decade um, and people I, I've seen have held much larger allocations to growth assets because they've needed that income. Well, people can now try and divest themselves potentially of a portion of their growth portfolio and hold fixed interest assets to get a much stronger income stream because, as I say, with a, mm. with a two, well, a six-month term deposit in excess of 3% at the moment, um, it's, it's, it's far more rewarding than it was yeah. 12 months ago. We're talking about how to generate more income within your portfolio. Luke, what should people keep in mind when it comes to income? Yeah, look, I think the first thing to, to sort of remember is that the more risk you take, the greater the potential volatility of your income. So as we said before the ad break, you need to just understand or, or do a little bit of investigation into the yield that is being offered at the moment and then look at what's happened historically. I think if you just chased the, the shiniest, brightest thing at the moment, that mm. can be quite dangerous because companies can have good and bad years and we've seen a lot of volatility over the last couple of years. So look at what's happened from a, a historical standpoint and maybe go back two or three years and just see how consistent the dividend is from the company that you want to invest in. I think another important thing is to remember that don't have too much of a good thing. While something may be fantastic and you may really love a particular stock or a particular ETF, consider its total weighting inside the portfolio from a risk perspective because if anything bad or untoward was to happen to that income stream, it mm. can have a far more significant impact on your total annual income if anything bad was to occur for any reason. So spread the love. Yes, exactly Basically right. Exactly right. And yeah. I think that's really important that, you know, whilst we want to have lots of something that we do really like, it can be dangerous um, through no fault of anyone's and trying to mitigate or reduce that risk through diversification can be a really good way to make sure your income is far more consistent. Also, you did touch on it uh, before we went to the break, but uh, to do a bit of research and look at, look back at the history, a bit of a historical research. Yeah, exactly. And that's right. If you, you want to see something that's consistent, and that's why you know using uh, potentially some ETFs uh, are a great way of getting good consistent income because an exchange traded fund will give you an exposure to a market and you can look back three, four, five years and see what sort of income it's paid out. So consider how you generate your income. Listed shares are a great way to hold things that are very cost effective and a great way to manage your franking credits. If you can get as much as possible out of the listed shares that you buy and the franking credits that they generate, at the end of the day, when the tax return is completed, franking credits are just more cash that comes back to your portfolio. So you can really supercharge your income stream by focusing on fully franked income as opposed to partially franked income. And all that means is that the tax paid on the investment that you own will give you back the, the, the franking credits. And a good example of a fully franked bank uh, would be CBA. 
Mm-hmm. The language you hear there is fully frank, which means all of their income, you get all of those credits back. A partially franked bank would be somebody like Macquarie, where they're about 40% frank. So that whilst they give you income, they don't give you the same tax benefit as somebody like a CBA or an ANZ or a NAB. So mm-hmm. look at that. And again, just make sure that you're buying fully frank things as opposed to companies that don't provide franking, like uh, Transurban. Transurban mm-hmm. don't provide any franking credits because it's more of a property asset than it is um, an industrial. Right. So understand the franking credits and maximise your income that way. I think the other important thing to remember is that if you're going to buy fixed interest, look at what the underlying fund or ETF is investing in. And if it's offering a huge income stream, that generally means the underlying assets are taking on far more risk or you're investing in a country that could be under more financial pressure. So you want to be rewarded with a greater return. And a good example of that may be buying a bond from Australia where you could get 3 to 4%, or you buy a bond in Italy or Greece where you want 10 or 20% mm-hmm. because you're taking on more risk as a nation to get that rate of return. But you need to keep in mind that that could also go south in a big way and you may not get the income that you've been hoping for. Which makes it essential to, to monitor these things very very closely and review them as you go along. Yeah, exactly. I think it's, it's, it's very much a case of, you know, you don't set and forget things forever, especially if you're going to make some targeted investments overseas. And that's probably another thing that I would consider is when you're talking fixed interest, look at the mix of assets between what's invested in Australia and what's invested overseas because different markets move at different times, different rates of return can be achieved, and that's always going to impact the annual rate of income that you can generate as well. So good, strong diversity. Look at domestic or international investments, and in the fixed interest space, look at what the majority of the capital is invested in and where it's invested because you may be taking on some additional risk in some countries that you you may not realise you've got in the portfolio. Yeah, so it's a case of reviewing the exposure because that could change very, very quickly, couldn't it? That's right, exactly. Mm. And, you know, we've seen with rising interest rates, that's going Mm. to have uh, different impacts on different countries around the world and their ability to continue paying a very good income stream. I would always err on the side of security over something that offers uh, an uh, an exceptionally high... Mm. rate of return mm. because as we said before the ad break if it's sexy it's generally expensive or dangerous yeah. and that could be to the detriment of your retirement income and you mentioned also we, we've mentioned a couple of times the franking credit so mm. you should maximize those do you think yeah that's right 100 percent. if you can if you can go and buy an etf or, or listed shares or manage funds that allow you to get those franking credits back it's a great way especially in a pension account to get additional cash when the tax return is completed of the fund because basically the ato cuts you a check because a pension is a tax-free environment those credits are effectively cash and they come back into your portfolio as such to bolster the amount of income you could use to fund pensions in retirement yeah they often say that bricks and mortar is the most you know the the most stable type of thing you can look at and i guess this can include uh, things like offices, um, storage, industrial, yeah. every, every sort of yeah, thing in that sector. Exactly. As mm. we say before the ad break, you need to look at what you're investing in because you can buy property funds that will invest in storage facilities. It'll invest in the office space. And you might have you know, A and B grade office space all around the country. You might have industrial property. Um, so you want to have a look at what's the allocation. Just like you'd look at your super fund and say, well, what's my mix of assets? Mm. You can go to any property investment or property trust and they'll say, we've got 30% office, we've got 30% industrial, we've got 5% in this, 10% in that. So again, you're diversifying 
within the underlying investment whilst you then diversify the various things that you hold inside each sector. So you continue to come down the, down the line, if you like, diversify, 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 because consistency um, and repetition is, is key when it comes to generating income. I suppose not necessarily last on the list, Luke, but certainly important is to, to look at the return after costs. I mean, you don't know yeah. what it's going to cost you over the long period, do you? Yeah, look, exactly. Um, you know, we saw, some, we saw some common sense get applied in, in Queensland last week, which is great, um, because, again, that would have been an, another impost for investors to reduce the, the net amount of income that, you, that you're going to get. And, and that's what I really stress is talk about when you're comparing your options. Look at the net numbers. So not I get this much a week in rent, I get this much a week in rent, less land tax, less rates, less agent fees, less this, less that, and then work out what your net number is. Because if you're weighing up the best thing to do to try and maximise the income that's available to you, you need to talk on an after-costs basis um, because real property can have a number of things that can dilute the total return very, very quickly. Okay, let's look. Uh, let's do a little summary here because it can become a little confusing after a while. <laughs> a little bit, yeah. especially with me. <laughs> oh, me too. <laughs> oh, yeah. Thanks for the vote of confidence. But what, what what are some of the key takeouts here? Yeah, look, I think if you were going to sit down and look at your portfolio, I would consider the start with, as I said before, the ad break. Start with the asset allocation. Mm-hmm. That's our overall level of risk that we're able to take on. Then look at your individual sectors and 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 the assets in them to try and make sure that you've got good, strong, reoccurring income. You've got an understanding of historical income and performance. Look at the net costs of the assets that you're going to hold um, and make sure that you don't over-allocate to any one particular area, no matter how much you love it or hate it. Mm. Having good diversity from a sector perspective is important, but also from an underlying investment perspective. Because I always look at it and say, if that one particular asset fell over, what proportion of my annual income or how long will my annual income be impacted by that? And if you keep your weightings to 5% or less, you're generally only then ever running one year's income in total if a particular asset collapsed for any reason. So it's about maintaining that diversity, keeping your asset allocation in line, thinking longer term. Remember, your asset allocation is for your investment life, not to your retirement date. Your need for investment generally requires a good strong income stream and growth to offset inflation in retirement. And that doesn't matter if you're 55, 65, 75 or 85. Everybody likes to see the value of their assets go up Mm. and everybody likes to see a large proportion of their total living costs funded by distributions without having to access capital. Okay, we're running out of time, but uh, where can where can we get more information? Yeah, so 6260-4749 is the office number. We've got envisionfinancial.com.au on the net. We've got the podcast, The Strategy Stacker Luke Talks Money on iTunes and Spotify. And we've got the YouTube channel, Envision Financial Canberra, where people can subscribe to that and see all the shows on their phone from the couch. Nothing to read. Great stuff, buddy. We'll catch up, or you'll catch up with Leon next week. That's it. When, uh, when Leon decides to have another holiday, we'll catch up again. And we'll see you for another guest, guest visit. <laughs> Good on you, Luke. Luke Smith from Envision Financial, back next Friday afternoon.